You can give that to Carmen. She um, uses that if I get out of line or say something I'm not supposed to do, she turns that microphone on and corrects me right in front of everyone. So embarrassing. Let me tell you about it. Hey, we're uh, continuing. How many had a great first week of fasting? All right. And if you blew it and ate, you went on fog eating or storm eating, like you're like, I can't do this anymore. And you go and you eat everything in your refrigerator and everything in the cupboards. Somebody say, it's okay. You can start all over. Amen. So you can start all over. This isn't a performance thing. It's about a seeking thing. So uh, if you did that, don't be all or none. Well, I messed up, so I guess I'm done. You can start all over. Amen. And if you haven't started fasting, hey, we got 14 more days that we're fasting together as a church. Um, But this week, we're going to be learning as you do your reading. Remember, you can go on the Church on the Rock app and you can download this stuff. It's Church on the Rock Huntley. But you have a morning devotion, then you have a noon scripture reading, and then in the evening you have a devotion. And it correlates with the book, so you get through the awakening book with Stovall Weems in the 21 days. So uh, enjoy that. Enjoy that even on your app. But this week, we're going to be learning about New Testament fasting. We're going to be learning about what it means to total surrender your life to the Lord. We're going to be learning things about coming into agreement with God's Word and aligning our life with God's Word and moving into action. We're going to be learning a little bit about, well, how do I know and how do I hear the voice of the Lord? So those are a little bit of your devotions this week and a little bit of your reading this week. But I want to talk to you today about New Testament fasting. And notice I said there's a big difference, I said New Testament, because there's a big difference in New Testament fasting and Old Testament fasting. A lot of times in the Old Testament, it says this in Joel 2, 12, it says, turn unto me now while there's time. Give me your hearts. Come to me with fasting and weeping and with mourning. In the Old Testament, a lot of times they were coming to God and they were, and, and they were, they were fasting. So they'd say, hey, we want to come back to God. We want to prove to you that we're repenting. And if we'll do that, it makes it where we can obtain forgiveness and we can have that acceptance and we can have that favor. But I want to say fasting isn't something we do to obtain forgiveness or to obtain favor. We don't have to fast to be forgiven or to walk in favor with God or to be accepted with him. How many know that God took my sin and gave me his righteousness 2,000 years ago? How many know that we are perfected forever as we're being sanctified through the finished work of the cross? So fasting isn't about twisting God's arm and trying to make it where you appear mourning and you're so upset and I'm I'm so down about my sin. It's a focus on the resurrection of Christ and the new resurrection that we can have in him. It's not looking at our past and being having condemnation about that. Old Testament fasting was also done to, man, if we can do this, maybe we can change God's mind. Or we can get something from him that we want or we think we need. An example of that is where David was fasting when his his, uh, child was real sick. And he thought, well, if I'll do this, then God will do this. You know, fasting isn't to twist God's arm and to make it where he gives us something that we think we need or that he wants us to have. Do you know that the finished work of the Christ supplies everything that we need into him? And it needs fasting under the old covenant the entire thing was about to do in order to become. In the Old Testament, if I do this, then I can become this. But in the New Covenant, the 
the, it's the, the principle is you already are, therefore act like it. How many say we already are in Christ, therefore act like it? In the New Testament, it's not do, do, do. How many know that it's done, done, done? Amen? If you're out there, say amen. It's not about mourning and sadness and messing up your hair. I like what you said. It's about celebrating the goodness of God, the grace of God, the greatness of God, and the glory of God. So New Testament fasting, it's about drawing closer to God. It's about coming to that full surrender to God at a deeper level. How many is hungry for that? To come to God at a deeper level. I want to surrender every area of my life. Even the ones that I don't want to. How many, seriously, if you're honest with yourself, how many say, I got areas I don't want to surrender? I kind of like it. I kind of like the way it makes me feel. I kind of like where it's at. I really don't want it. He can have all my life, but this one, he needs to kind of leave it alone. Remember last week, we ended the service where I shared, when I heard the Lord said, Brian, do you believe I can do this? And then he said to me, all things are possible to him who believes. And then he said, whatsoever things you desire when you believe, uh, believe that you, re- you believe that you have them and you shall believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And God put three tough things. How many remember me talking about this last week? God put three tough th- things that I would not try to attack or to overcome by myself because I've tried in the past. How many has got that something that you've tried? That's something that you tried. Well, I'm challenging you in this 21-day fast because God's going to come in with us to stick your finger on by the Holy Spirit, to stick your finger on that thing that is off limits, to stick your finger on that thing that's always been there, that hurt that's been there your whole life, that pain that's been there your whole life. The re- put your finger on that addiction or that hurt or that hang-up that's been there your whole life. And let's let God take us through that. But I remember God said to me, he said, Brian, do you believe I can do that? And I was like, I know you do do that, but I don't know if you can do that for me. And he kept saying, Brian, do you believe I can do it? And I said, yeah, I do believe you can do it. I'm going to tell you something. God ripped something out of my heart because I started the fast two weeks ago. God took something out of my heart. I am still free today. I had a couple days where that temptation's there, but I'm still free today. And then I was just kind of minding. Anybody ever been minding your own business and God just comes up and just shakes your day up? Anybody just kind of mind your own business? Even this week, we were, we were in a meeting up, upstairs, and we were having a prayer meeting. And God was just like, this is your day, Brian. It must be your week, Brian. Well, I've been asking him to 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 take away anything, to heal me, to make me complete, 100% whole. Because like it or not, everybody's broken. Everybody has a point of brokenness. And this week in a prayer meeting, God just came down on me. And it's a little bit, you know, I'm a man. It's a little bit embarrassing stuff. But the next thing I knew, I found myself weeping over something, a deep wound that happened to me when I was a child. Wasn't even expecting this. But God just came in and cleaned out a hurt, cleaned out some unforgiveness I had towards a family member. And I didn't even know that I had it, nor did I know that it was affecting my life. But that's the kind of awakening. How many know that you can have an awakening story? I'm telling you, I'm your pastor, the pastor of this church, and I'm telling you about two awakening stories. And I know if he's doing that for us, for me, he's going to do it for everybody. 
I challenge you to put your finger on things and ask God to do it in this fasting. You know, Bill Bright said this, I believe the power of fasting, as it's done with prayer, is a spiritual atomic bomb that our Lord has given us to destroy strongholds of evil and to usher in a greater revival and a spiritual harvest around the world. So that's what we're asking. You know, uh, when Steve came up, he talked about creating a space for the Lord. How many remember, Walter, I'm seeing you holding your your new child there, Uh, or that's actually um, Justin and Shelby's child, okay, but your uncle. But hey, Justin, Shelby, remember when you was going to have a child, and you go home, and you get that room ready. You decorate the walls, you paint the walls, you get these little knickknacks, you get new bedding and new liner, and you get all the diapers and stuff, and you make that room ready for when you bring the, the, the baby home. You can put it in that room. How many remember when you're playing football? Anybody, any football players out there? Remember, you're, you're on the line. You got the center and the guard and the tackle and sometimes a tight end and they call a straight up the middle run. Well, the linemen create a space or create a hole and then the running back fills it. Guys, that's what fasting is. What fasting is, it's simply opening up a space opening up a hole, and God will fill it. That's all it is. Open up a hole, and God will fill it. Did you know God is a filler, not a forcer? He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to twist your arm and make you serve him, or, 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 or make you want him, or make you want to love him. But when we open up a space for him, how many people out here have opened a space for the Lord? Testify, does the Lord fill it when you open the space? Anybody out there say that's true? So fasting is about opening that space for God to fill. Um, You know, D.L. Moody said this, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride, See, they're filled with something of pride and of selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that's contrary to God. I believe when we empty ourselves of those things, then he said this, the Holy Ghost will come and fill every corner of our hearts. But if we're full of pride and we're full of conceit and ambition and we're self-seeking and we're full of the pleasure in this world, there's no room for the Spirit of God. And I believe many a man, many a woman are praying for God to fill them when they are already full of something else. Before we pray, God, fill us. I believe we need to pray, God, everybody say, empty us. God, empty us. Empty us. So fasting is about surrendering to God at a deeper, deeper level. It's about creating a space so that God can fill Well, the next thing fasting is, fasting is about removing distractions. Everybody say removing distractions. Remove that distraction so that you can tune in to God. You know, um, I, I grew up, my granny, my granny and granddad, my granny and granddad did not miss, they did not miss a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game. And they never watched it on TV she always had a radio, and they, and they set on. They, she'd turn the radio on, and she'd go through here. And you'd hear all this. How many remember these? These radios, and she'd go through that. She's trying to find it. Played in the 
you know, I think we all see the same thing. We just got to do a better job, uh, you know. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's that tune in. The Bible says that when you pray, go away by yourself. See how good of a catcher my wife is. Shut the door behind you. And when you pray in your, in your secret, in your private, then the Father who sees everything will reward you. Fasting is about tuning out those distractions. So much distraction, so much distortion, so you can tune in to God. It's about getting away. It's about shutting the door. Did you know there's a scripture where Paul said to study, to be quiet? I'll never forget that when I came across that as about a 20-year-old. Study to be quiet. It's almost like a study. It's like something you have to perfect. How many know how hard it is to shut your mind off and to shut your thoughts off and to shut your feelings off and to shut your emotions off, to shut the TV off and to shut the social media off and to shut the wife off? I mean, (laughs) But, but we shut all these things off. How many know how hard it is to get quiet before the Lord? quiet yourself. We need that clear signal. Hey guys, when we get that clear signal, the Bible says this. Everybody say, my sheep hear my voice. Do you believe he's the great shepherd? Amen. Are you his sheep? Every one of you, are you his sheep? My sheep, say it again, my sheep hear his voice. My sheep hear his voice. And I know them and they already follow me. You know, I would venture to say, you know, the Spirit has a voice. God speaks to you. Uh, you know, even back when, the, when, when, when uh, there, there's certain religions that they would keep the Bible in Latin and they'd keep it in places because they didn't want people reading it and they wanted a priest to tell you. And, you know, a lot of people tried to shut off people going directly to God for prayer, for the Word, or whatever. But how many of you know that each and every one of you can go directly to God? You don't need me to do it. You don't need the person sitting beside you to do it. Jesus said that, when you, that I've given you my name and that all of you have my name and you have access into the throne of grace and you can ask the Father anything in my name and I'll do it. Everybody say, I've been given the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what, God is already speaking. Some of you say, God's never spoken to me. I bet he has. I bet he has. It was actually easier for me to hear God's voice when I first started living for the Lord than it is now, I would almost say. Because, we, because now I know so much of the word and now I have so many experiences, biblical experiences and so much to quiet all that and get back to. In fact, this year the Lord said, Brian, I want to take you back to spirit to spirit, vessel to vessel. What does that mean? The big spirit, Holy Spirit, pouring into our spirit, little s spirit. How many know it's spirit to spirit, that God speaks to us spirit to spirit? Or he speaks to us his vessel pouring into our vessel. Again, I would venture to say that God's speaking to all of you. You know when Samuel was learning the voice of the Lord in 1 Samuel 3? He heard Samuel, Samuel. He heard it just like him. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel jumped up out of bed and ran into his pastor. And he says, hey, my Lord, did you call me? And Eli's like, I didn't call you. I, I'm, I'm sleeping. Going back to bed, crazy child. 
So he goes back to bed. Here comes that voice again, Samuel, Samuel. He jumps out of bed. He runs into his pastor. How many believe the Bible's true? Went into his pastor and said, hey, pastor, did you call me? Did you say something? I didn't call you. I'm sleeping, man. Go back to bed. And then the third time he came in, Samuel, Samuel, he came in. Eli figured out what was going on. He said, by golly, the Lord's talking to this young priest. The Lord's talking to this boy. And so then the next time he said, hey, Samuel, when you hear that still small voice again, just say, yes, Lord, I'm listening. How many of you know that you can do that? I really believe that God is speaking things to each and every individual. And all you do is have to do is say, yes, God, I'm listening. Another story on hearing the voice of God is, is 1 Kings chapter 19. And that's when Elijah was taken up on a mountain and the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord came by in a strong wind, a strong boisterous wind. And you know, that could be our emotions. How many have a voice of an emotion when you're angry or you're upset or you're emotional about something and there's this voice of revenge, you should be angry, you should be upset. How many of you hear that voice? That's the strong wind, but the Bible says God wasn't in the wind. And then it says, then an earthquake came and shook the earth. And the Lord said that he wasn't in the earthquake either. That can be just all the thoughts and all the things that shake us up. And then it says, a great fire came. A great fire came and, 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 and burn up things. And it says the Lord wasn't in the fire. Well, you got your emotions. You got your thoughts. The other part of the soul is your will. Maybe you're like Jesus when you're in the garden and you're fighting something that you know is right. Jesus fought. You bet you he did. He fought to where he sweat great drops of blood. And he ended up saying, Lord, going to the cross is tough. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So there was the voice of the will. There's the voice of the emotion. There's the voice of thoughts. There's the voices of experience. But the Lord's not in any of them. But then the Bible says the Lord comes in a still, small voice. And God talked to Elijah like a man talks to his friend. How many know that fasting is a time where you can tune out and tune in and you can hear that still, small voice of the Lord? You know, speaking about distractions, speaking about distractions, Jesus told this story. And Jesus and his disciples, they continued on their way to Jerusalem. This isn't in your handout, but it's Luke 10, verse 38, if you want to write it down. It says, Jesus and his disciples continued on their way. We're talking about taking out distractions. They continued on their way. They came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed, him, welcomed Jesus into her, her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Think about that. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. You know, we live in a world where we're bombarded by images, sights, sounds, smells, so many counterfeit experiences, so many time suckers, like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So, many op so much opportunity and things to do and places to go that we can be distracted or made busy keeping us at that place at Jesus' feet listening to him. 
Mary was distracted by the dinner. Martha was distracted by the dinner, but Mary sat at the Lord's feet. She came to Jesus. Mary came, Martha came to Jesus and she said, Lord, this isn't fair that my sister just sits here. She's lazy while I'm doing all this work. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset and concerned about all these details. There's only one thing. Everybody say one thing. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken for. What did Mary discover? What did Mary discover? Being at his feet. Being at his feet. There's even another spot where the woman came and had the alabaster box that was had so much perfume in it it was worth it was like worth a whole year's wages or something she broke this alabaster box and anointed Jesus feet and all the disciples were like man Lord we wasted all that money on your feet and Jesus said this he said the poor will always be with you come and sit at my feet twice twice distractions, this one thing you need to do, come and be at the Lord's feet. Man, all this good that I can do, all this stuff, the good things, I'm not saying it's bad things. We can put our time into good things. Is it good to feed the poor? How many say it's good to feed the poor? But Jesus said, hey, the poor will always be with you. Come and sit at my feet. Guys, that's what fasting's about. It's about coming and setting at the feet of Jesus. So we see fasting is about surrendering to God at a deeper level. It's about creating a space for God to fill. It's about removing distractions so we can hear him. Here's the next thing. Fasting is about it gets the gunk out. As we live our lives over time, we get gunked up, you might say. While our spirit is eternally made new through Christ, our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, our soul, which is the intersection of our mind, will, and emotion, can become weighed down, heavy, negative, desensitized, and sluggish, leaving us in a spiritual fog. Have you noticed life has a way of stacking on pain and pressure and stress and demand which causes us to kind of like get out of whack or get out of balance to where we get tired and we're weighed down. Have you ever been to a place that your conscience becomes desensitized? You know, even Jeremiah said, my people have forgotten how to blush. Things that used to make us blush or, or, or make us embarrassed because we knew God wasn't for him. I still can't sit with my wife for 33 years. I can't sit in front of a movie where there's sexual stuff going on. It makes me blush. It makes me uncomfortable. Man, if I get to a place where I can just sit in front of sin and sit in front of worldliness and sit in front of things that just feed the flesh, feed the flesh, feed the flesh. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, there's a sluggard spirit that's come upon you and fasting's about waking up to things that used to convict us and things that used to to touch our conscience. If it gets to where it can't even do that anymore, then it's a time that we need to wake up in the Lord. Does anybody out there say amen? What used to convict us doesn't even convict me anymore. In fact, I not only do it, I enjoy doing it. God's voice is muffled. 
our power and passion is dissolving. And we shift into autopilot, loving God out of obligation and routine instead of affection and fervor. That's what I'm calling gunk. Even if we're reading our Bibles and praying and going to church, there's times we need to give our soul a good spring cleaning to make it fresh again. Fasting is about a spring cleaning where you get the gunk out so we can hear his voice, feel his presence, and prepare that space for the new thing that God wants to do. This is what fasting does. It's a secret key to Romans chapter 12, 11, where it says, never be lacking in zeal for the Lord, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. We're to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. There's time that we need some spring cleaning to get the gunk out and to get the fresh river of God flowing inside of us. That's an awakening. You know, even the other day, um, the grandkids were coming over to the house and, you know, they're crawling on the floor and stuff. You, You know, Carmen and I keep a very clean house, I think. We live in a fifth wheel because we, we do travel, but uh, we keep a clean house. We make the bed every day. I mean, everything's always clean. We sweep. Every time we have meals, we wash the dishes, we put them away. I mean, when you come to my house, it's always clean. It's, it's, it's always clean, and we do it together. But man, the grandkids were coming over the other day, and I was like in the bathroom, and uh, I got down on my hands and my knees. And I was like, holy smoke, this is filthy. And so I grabbed, I grabbed some of those wipe things and, and I started wiping around the edges and I was like, jeez, Carmen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was wiping around the edge. And then I started looking at the toilet, and then I noticed the stains in the toilet from the water. And so I got stuff, and I cleaned that out. Next thing I knew, guys, I went through the house, top to bottom, wiped everything down. Went through a whole thing of those white things. You know, the ones you couldn't get in the beginning of the pandemic? I was using them, baby. I was using them suckers up and cleaned everything up, swept everything up. And I'm like, Carmen, don't you dare come in here with those shoes on. Let's take them. I mean, we cleaned it up. We clean, 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 clean. You know, that's the same thing that fasting does to our souls. Fasting hits the reset button of the soul. It gives us that newness, that cleanness, that fire of God back, that clean, fresh, everything's new. You know, you can keep house by going to church, reading your Bible, all that stuff. But sometimes you need that deep down clean. Anybody out there say amen. So, fasting is surrendering to God at a deeper level. Two, it creates a space for God to three, fill Three, it removes distractions so you can hear. Everybody say number four, get the gunk out. Get the gunk out. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. You're going to read about all these this week in your book. Here's the last one. Fasting expands you so God can do a new thing in your life. How many is looking for a new thing in your life? A new thing. Here's the scripture. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do? And the Pharisees do. Jesus replied, do the wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. 
But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. That was, so if you say, well, you don't, you're not, we don't fast anymore. No, Jesus said, don't fast when the bridegroom's with you. But Jesus said, I'm getting ready to be taken away. And after I go to heaven, my disciples are going to fast just like you do. So, and even in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, when you fast. So we know that fasting's New Testament, okay? So then he said this, of course not. Besides, who would patch old clothing with a new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. So we're talking about a new patch on an old pair of jeans. It rips, okay? And then no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine, everybody say new wine. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved, the wineskin and the wine. Think about that, because you're the wineskin, and what God's putting into you is new wine. Somebody say new wine. So God, Jesus, God wants both of these things to be preserved. Back in Jesus' day, let me explain that. Don't put new wine into old wineskins. That's what we're going to talk about. Back in Jesus' day, wine wasn't stored in bottles like today, but it was stored in containers called wineskins. To hold freshly made wine, wineskins needed to be soft. Remember, you're the wineskin. They need to be soft. They need to be pliable, and they needed to be expandable. So that when the fresh wine began to ferment, the grape began to ferment and to expand, the wineskin, that's us, could expand with it. The wineskin had to be able to expand with the new wine, the new thing. Old wineskins wouldn't work because old wineskins were hard, were brittle, and inflexible. An old wineskin filled with new wine, it would crack. It would tear, it would break open. And once the new wine began to expand, the fresh wine would spill out onto the ground. These are the fresh and the new things that God wants to do in our life. How many believe God wants to do a fresh thing, a new thing in our life, a new work of the Holy Spirit, an expanding work of the Spirit that He's purposed for us? We must be equipped with a new wineskin. Wherever you're at with your eyes closed, say, Lord, give me a new wineskin. Give me a new wineskin. Say, Lord, help me to hold the expansion of the work that you want to do in my life. We need a new wineskin. We need a new wineskin because we need to be moving forward in God's purpose and focus for our life. If you're here today and you feel like you're moving backwards, you're not having forward progress, I want you to say today, Lord, I want to be moving forward. We don't just get one wineskin when we're saved. We got to keep getting new wineskins, just like a snake gets a new skin as his body grows bigger. Right now, say, Lord, give me a new wine skin. 
places that you're hard, places that you're bitter, places that just seem like it's brittle, places you've been inflexible in a relationship, hard-hearted. Lord, give me a new attitude. Give me a new wineskin. Give me a new wineskin. Lord, let me expand to that new thing. Again, I want to say we just don't get one wineskin when you're saved. We must repeatedly get new wineskins so that God's work will continue and expand in our life. You know, these old wineskins represent old seasons, old chapters, staleness, stiffness, hard-heartedness. But this new season that 